Faithful responders consist of two deputies and two firefighters with nearly 40 combined years of service as first responders. Scotty, Jonathan, Clint, and Jacob invite you to listen as they discuss various issues that first responders deal with in their daily lives as well as on the job. The crazy schedules, training, mandatory OT, and the extra gigs provide little time for family, let alone going to or committing to a church. Their prayer is that this will be something used to help keep you encouraged and equipped in your faith. So sit on back, but don't fall asleep. Yes, that means you, firefighters. And as always, stay safe. What's going on, y'all? This is uh, Jacob with Faithful Responders. Thanks for uh, tuning in and listening in on our next episode. So these next few episodes, we're going to be uh, just diving in and talking. Each one of us is going to be sharing our testimonies. Um, <laughs> basically, just giving giving some insight to you know our stories and um, you know our, our lives before Christ, our lives you know when we met Christ, and what's been going on after our encounters with Christ and uh, after our decisions to uh, that we've made to, to follow Jesus. So Clint over here, he's going to give a, he's going to give a little lesson on what a testimony is. If you, you know, you may not know. So in, a, in an attempt to sound smart, like Mouton, I had to get in the dictionary and look up a testimony and all seriousness. I was like, you know what? Somebody might be listening that doesn't really know what we're kind of referring to. So just a generic you know, definition is a formal written or spoken statement, especially one given in a court of law. And then another one was evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. So I thought that was kind of interesting as like, you know, you could be talking about something that could potentially stand up in the court of law or something, some type of evidence to prove something. And for us, our testimonies is, is proof that God is real and he's, you know, he's within us, you know, so that kind of leads to like a, a Christian's testimony. So to give one's testimony, which kind of means to tell the story of how one became a Christian, kind of like what Jake was just talking about, commonly it kind of refers to a specific event in a Christian's life in which God did something that was particularly worth sharing for that individual. And so that kind of leads us into exactly what we're doing today. Awesome. Yeah, so today we're going to hear from uh, from Scotty. Um, Scott? Scotty? Yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> you know what, folks? There's been something heavy on my mind. And I wanted to, wanted to bring light to this. In our introduction episode, Scotty made this big deal oh, about how <laughs> about how we, we didn't care about him because oh, so, he was, was hoping, clockwise. I was hoping he forgot. I just wanted you guys to know that he was actually counterclockwise <laughs> to where Jacob was sitting. Yeah, well. yeah, I just couldn't let that go. <laughs> Yeah, leading up to this, I was I was thinking, man, I hope they don't bring that back up because I was totally wrong. And in that room, I am the dumbest one in there, so I'm questionable. <laughs> I think I'll give you a run for your money. Yeah, I uh, I did think about that. It's funny you brought that up. I asked, you know, and you didn't prepare here. that. You didn't. Pre- yeah, you didn't prepare for me this before we got on the mic too. You just called me out right oh, off no, the I asked oh, Jacob, oh. Well, we got here before Scotty, <laughs> okay. the last one here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 
Josh Taylor. Like, Did anybody call him out on that yet? Because I remember we talked about it. I don't think it was actually while we were recording. I was like, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, okay. I got this. It's okay. You know? I got to be honest with you. I got to be humble. It was fine. prepared. I am. I, okay. Well, then I'm glad it was prepared. It took um, you down a notch right before you started. Yeah. Scared. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, now y'all need, you need to go. It's not my turn anymore. What are y'all doing? <laughs> um, but yeah. No, I'm glad you did that. <laughs> Um, so as I introduced myself last time, um, you know, my name is Scotty and, uh, I, uh, I used to think that my testimony, um, was kind of crappy and not that great and just in the ordinary. And so I didn't learn that, like how good a te- my testimony could have been, um, until I went to Brazil on a missions trip and I saw all these kids and, and they asked me to give my testimony. And, you know, I've given it to people all the time, like friends and stuff sitting here. But um, when they asked me to do it in Brazil, I'm like sitting here talking to like these these orphans. You know, these kids have nothing. And I'm sitting here coming from America where, you know, even here, you know, I wouldn't call me like I, I, I'm I'm blessed. And then I go in there and I'm like, what the heck? What am I going to tell these kids? Hey, I'm a privileged male from America that has everything <laughs> That uh, you know, I've worked hard for it, but you know, I, I, I every worry you have, I have never thought about that, you know, in my adult life. And I was like, man, what am I going to say? And uh, I prayed about it, and um, you know, I just sat down and I, I told them my story. And as I told them my story, I realized that like <laughs> my story is is always I've, I've grown up in the in, in the in the church. So I was like, well, I don't have one of these awesome, crazy, great stories of somebody who was, you know, grabbed by the Lord and, you know, out of this, this, this dark path and everything or like saved from this. I, I was always taught this. And so I was like, I always thought it was lame. And I realized that actually it's the opposite um, in my case, because I've learned, I've been blessed to have that opportunity that these kids in particular don't and didn't. And, um, so I was, I was raised in, uh, Stone Mountain, um, uh, near Memorial Drive, uh, Rockbridge Road in that area. And my mom and dad, they did the best they could. And, um, they did great. I've had great parents. I've been blessed with great parents. Um, you know, I, I hate, I hate feeling bad about saying that, but like, you know, sometimes I don't want to say that because I, I know that, some people didn't, but then again, I, I'm proud of the fact that I was blessed in that manner. Um, they uh, they raised me in the church. I I, I um, accepted Christ. Um, I know exactly where I was when I accepted Christ. I was seven years old. Um, I was sitting on a road in front of a greenhouse. This is old beat up greenhouse. I'll never forget it. And I just remember praying to God and asking Him to come into my heart. And that. Um, my mom, when I get home, she talked to me about it. And I got reassurance, what some people call it, just making sure um, when I was in uh, third grade, you know, just going over it again. But, um, you know, in, in my perspective, you know, it's not a sinner's prayer. You don't get saved because you pray a prayer. It's a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, then you're you're not there. It, it, you know, it, it's like I, I tell my kids that I coach, you know, I say, if can you call somebody that you never talked to your best friend? Uh, do you have a relationship with your father if you never speak to him? 
if that's not there, then it's not there. Now, I don't, I, I tell people and people get sometimes annoyed with me, but I tell people that the sinner's prayer is very dangerous sometimes because sometimes people misunderstand what that is. It, it's like, oh, I pray this prayer and now I'm saved. And that's not how it works. Um, if you're not transformed and you don't have a personal relationship, then you need to talk to somebody and, and make sure that you are going for, that you understand what this is about. Um, and so I felt it, you know, like I, I, I felt since that day, I'm telling you, like, I've always felt God in my, in my heart and my soul. I know that the, at, at a young age, I accepted Christ. And then I went to church my whole life. I grew up. I, I saw a lot of people who went to church. I, I was always, even though I went to church, I was still, if you ask my teachers and parents and people, I was a rebel. Um, but, um, but I was always able to stay um, faithful in the things that I, I felt dear to my heart. Um, you know, I tell people, the, the kids I coach and the people when I talk to them about myself or introduce myself, like people are shocked because, you know, I've, I was a virgin when I got married. Um, I've never smoked. I've never drank. I've been able to say no to all those things that are hard to say no to that are strongholds for Satan sometimes. Not to say they're wrong, um, but that but Satan uses those things, especially in, in kids, to manipulate their minds, manipulate their how they can have fun, quote unquote. And I was always able to say no to that. Um, and to this day, that's the power of God. <clears throat> but God gave me a strength to feel like I could say no. And like I tell people, I was like, I don't need that to be cool. <laughs> I said that to somebody the other day, like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, I, I've never desired it. And, and, um, I'm thankful for that because that's, that's not everybody's, I mean, some people have a hard time. Like my grandfather had a, a really hard time. He was addicted to alcohol. And so that's one reason when I tell people like, you don't drink, they say, you don't drink in high school. They'd always say, you don't drink. Oh, are you some kind of Christian or something? And I'm like, well, first of all, scripture that just says, don't get drunk. Um, I said, second of all, Mine, I would love to say it's totally because of scripture that I didn't drink, but it's not. It's it's a lot of it stemmed from the fact that my grandfather, when I was in third grade, committed suicide. And as a young kid, that stuck with me because I knew that he had problems with drinking. He was drunk when they found him. You know, he, he it was just out of nowhere. And that set with me. And so my thing is that I saw, I heard my dad's testimony of, of him being an alcoholic. I heard my mom's testimony of her being an alcoholic. And, and I said, man, like, I don't see how this benefits me in any way. So from day one, as a young kid, it was always just not attractive at all. It's never been something I've wanted to do. And, and honestly, that goes for pot and any of the other drugs that, you know, kids are, are uh, tempted to do. Um, the sex thing's different. Like, I, I, that is a, a, I don't know how I was able to say no to sex, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I can't explain that. That's, that's the power of God. Um, but somehow, but I, what I did do uh, when it came to that is I try not to put myself in situations that would make me regret what I was doing. Um, and then again, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Uh, I would love to say that scripture in the Bible is the reason why 
I didn't have sex for marriage. It definitely played a, a huge role. But the first thing that popped in my mind when I, when I was tempted or you were in that situation was I knew how important it was to my mom because she couldn't say, you know, I'm so like, she wanted me to be pure and she wanted me to do the things that her and my dad messed up on. Like she wanted me not to get in those entanglements. And I remember like, <laughs> it's kind of weird. You're like sitting there in a romantic and you're like making out with some girl and then they, your mom pops in your head. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to cry if you have sex, you know, like, I'm like, oh, oh, mom, you ruined it. <laughs> but no, but that's really a huge thing is the fact that, um, I didn't want to, I didn't want my mom, I didn't want to break her because I knew it would hurt her and I didn't want to do that. And um, so those are the reasons I was able to stay pure for the most part. I got in trouble a lot. I, I got in fights a lot and I liked trying to be hard, you know, and <clears throat> I guess kind of, you know, showing that male dominance. Um, so I had issues with that kind of stuff. Um, in high school, I cussed a lot. I didn't. Wait a minute. So you're saying you're a type A personality and you got. No. You, I am definitely not, I'm not, I'm not type A. That's not. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Shocking. Yeah. It's crazy. I enjoy long walks on the beach and reading a book at sunset, my friend. <laughs> Ask my wife about that. I'm like, oh, this beach, this sand is killing my feet. Can we go back now? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so. I, uh, I, I was, uh, you know, a, a somewhat of a problem child. Um, I did not, my testimony, I tell people I was a good kid, but then I also had to add a lot of bad, you know, like that didn't do right. I cussed a lot in high school and I, I'm not, I'm ashamed of that. Um, I, I haven't, to my knowledge, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really don't know if I've cussed outside of like a, like a context, um, since, since high school. Um, uh, and it's literally because of a situation that happened out of high school. Um, so I got out of high school and, you know, I had, I had three best friends, uh, Jeremy, Andre, and Willie. And, um, and so, man, the, we were inseparable. Like I love my brother. He's my brother, but, um, and he'll always be, you know, my brother. But like, you know, at that time, you know, you, you, you come closer to your friends than your brother, your siblings sometimes. And those guys, we were inseparable, like inseparable. Um, we did everything together. And Jeremy had moved from, from Ohio because he was into drugs and all this stuff. He moved down to, with his uncle in Georgia, who wasn't the greatest influence, but it was away from all that bad life. Well, when I met Jeremy, like, it was different. I didn't, I wanted to witness to him. I didn't want to, I kind of want to leave my high school life behind me. Um, you know? And so we started witnessing and Jeremy, um, we started taking them to church and so Willie and Andre, I grew up with, uh, earlier in my life. I knew them since third grade and, uh, we all grew up in, in, in Christian school, like, except for we went to private school, I mean, public school in middle and high school, but uh, early in elementary school into a Christian school. And we all, you know, stayed, you know, knew the Bible brought up in the church. And so Jeremy came in and um, we got him going to church and it was great. And uh, we just got really involved with, with trying to do the right thing, trying to do what was good. You know, we still had fun, you know, 
party and stuff like that. But we we tried to to, to keep it um, like it was is a very wholesome friendship relationship right out of, you know high school where most kids start to fall because that's when you have that freedom and <clears throat> you know if you're going to college you have that that little time period where you you're trying to figure out who you are and so we had known jeremy like so we got to a point where jeremy was like part of us and every every weekend every night i mean we were together and um so then i i uh i met we had uh let's see here so i was i was trying to go i was i was playing baseball and i just graduated from high school i was playing baseball i got the scholarship, it was a partial scholarship. And then I got a car wreck and that, that kind of like put me really in a bad funk because before that, all I want to do is play baseball. And I wasn't able to play for a while. They took my scholarship away. And then I met um, my wife. Um, I knew her when I was a little kid. Uh, I played t-ball with her brother and played baseball with her brother growing up. But when we moved to Snellville, I didn't see her anymore. Like, I mean, I, I thought she was an annoying little brat when I was a kid, you know, I was, a, I was a boy. Like, I didn't want her playing with us. I wanted to want her around. Well, I go get a job at a golf course and um, I meet her brother. And I'm like, Neil, man, what's up, man? You know, I haven't seen you in years. And he, you know, we, we start working together. We work a couple months together. He has a birthday party. It's a pool party, which might help. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to see his family. Cause you know, I grew up with him and everything, not even thinking about Megan, my wife, like, she, like I said, she was younger, uh, annoying, you know, I was like, oh, man, I, don't, I can't wait to see meet Neil's older, older sisters, you know, like that kind of thing, but not really. I just wanted to meet the family. I would seen them forever. We got his pool party. I walked in that gate. I'll never forget it, man. I walked in that gate and I turned around a corner and I saw Megan sitting there in a pink bikini and I said, Oh, my gosh. Get out of my head, Mom. <laughs> mom, mom. <laughs> but I'll never forget that. I tell my kids, I tell my kids this story all the time. And it's it's funny, but I'll never forget like it's the like I had seen girls and talked to girls and hung out with girls that like, you know, made you have that pit in your stomach, you know, and that feeling. And uh, but man, when I saw her, it was nothing like it was different. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I knew her and I was intimidated to talk to her. And I'd never felt that before. Like in the past, like, yeah, you kind of get that, but I get over it real quick. But man, it was like, whoa. And so we hung out and everything. And what's really bad about that story is one of my good buddies, Trevor, on the way to the party says, Hey, I like Megan. There's gonna be boys here. Can you look help me look after her since you've known her before? And I was like, Yeah, sure. Not thinking anything of it. I swear. I swear, Trevor. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> but then we got there and I saw her and I said, Oh crap. Trevor who? <laughs> and uh I talked to her. I kept away from the other boys. <laughs> and just kept you know her close, Trevor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so uh I felt really bad about that, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't help it. And um, eventually one thing led to another, make that small story short, we started dating, which I have to tell the, how I started dating her. So I don't talk to her because she has, she's dating this guy named JJ. He's an absolute jerk. There's no way that she likes this guy. And so two weeks passed, 
And I called her up. I called her, actually I called their house and asked for her. And I said, hey, I've been thinking about you for the last two weeks. I know you're with some guy. I was just wanting to know if you want to hang out with me and JT, who is another one of my friends. And she was like, sure, but we can't tonight because we have a swim meet. She's on, she's just still in high school and she was uh, swimming for Grayson. It's all state swimming for Grayson. <clears throat> and I said, okay, well, little did I know what I was getting into because swim meets, if anybody is listening to this and they know it, it's the most boring sport ever to go to. If I went to this four hour swim meet to watch her swim for 30 seconds, you know, it's like, okay, but it was cool because we had to talk, sit and talk and stuff. Well, you know, we hung out a little bit afterwards, but you know, it's high school. So she had to get back home and all that stuff. Well, I called her at night. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, look, I, I'm digging you. <laughs> I mean, I really want to date you and I'm going to, but I'm going to let you know, I can't call you anymore. Cause I can't get over this bad feeling of disrespect to another man. Even though I don't respect him, I respect the sanctity of a relationship. And I just wanted to let you know how I feel about you. And, and she said, okay. And she goes, oh, hold, 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 hold on. And I was like, oh, great. She doesn't even care about me. You know, she just put me on hold. I'm like opening up my feelings, you know, Lays your heart on the table. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Romeo over here, you know, like just putting it all out there like a, like a, a weeping man child. And then, uh, she cut, I was on, I was on hold for like 10 minutes. I literally, I remember like having, you know, little flip phones or, you know, little speakers in the right corner kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, my ears getting hurt, starting to hurt. I'll put it on a speaker. I'm like, she comes back on. And she was like, what were you saying? And I was like, she didn't even listen to me. What the heck, man? Like, and so I was like, well, I was just telling you that I, I respect that you're in a relationship and I just want to let you know how I feel and that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stop talking to you and, and just want to let you know how I feel in case it doesn't work out. Give me a call. She goes, oh, no, I just uh, I just went on the other line and dumped him. So uh, what were you saying? I was like, I was like, do you want to go out tomorrow? <laughs> and she's like, yes. And I said, yes. So that's how that's really like like that was the beginning of our relationship. And that was 21 years ago. <clears throat> yeah, 21 years ago. And um, it, it, everything was going great in my life. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd met her, I'd, I'd lost my scholarship, so I was down, but then I met her, so that kind of like replaced it. And I was, you know, I was praying to the Lord and saying, thank you, Lord, for bringing this woman in my life, you know, because I was in a bad spot and I felt, you know, like I was down and <clears throat> and everything. And so then we're having a great time and a, a year passes or a, a, not quite a year. And um, my buddy calls me up, Willie calls me up and he says, hey, hey, man, um, He's like, me and Jeremy are going to go up to Ohio. Um, no, Jeremy, Jeremy calls me up. <clears throat> he says, hey, uh, I'm going up to Ohio to, to, to get my sister because she's into stripping and, and drugs and all this stuff. And I know that if we, she comes down here, we, we can change. Like she can, the same thing that happened to me can happen to her. And, um, and so I was like, man, Jeremy, I'm, I was in school, uh, college at the time. I said, I can't, I got, you know, midterms. I cannot like cut out on my midterms. I said, if you can wait a day, then we'll do it. He's like, okay, okay. So I'm like, I didn't hear back from that night. I, I tried, I, I heard, he, he called me that, that afternoon. And then um, 
<laughs> he says, <clears throat> he's like, I think I'm going to try to wait. Um, just uh, let me know or uh, call me in the morning and uh, let me know. And I said, okay. And uh, I remember um, I called him in the morning. He didn't answer. And so I went to work because I had to work that day. And uh, I, I'll never forget it. I showed up to work and we, we loaded up the truck. I installed mailboxes. We loaded up the truck. We were on um, North Church Road, right there near uh, Briscoe, Briscoe Park, right there before Briscoe Park. We were going towards Snowville, near your station, on the way to like, your station. And, um, and I got a call and I didn't recognize the number, but I picked it up and it was Jeremy's uncle. And I said, uh, I like, Bo, what's up, man? And he goes, Hey man, um, he's like, I don't, I don't know how to tell you this, but he goes, uh, Jeremy died last night. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah. Um, he was going up to go get his sister to bring her down here. And, um, they, uh, he crossed over, they crossed over the median and, and they, uh, lost the hydroplane they were eight miles away from her door mm -hmm. hydroplane in the in the interstate crossed over the median and uh they got hit by a tractor trailer and they said they were killed instantly well they he goes the thing is is he said um he goes willie was with them and i said what i mean i just dropped, I, I actually i dropped the phone and i just was like and my boss was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I don't. And I sat down, I was telling him, dang. Oh. And so uh I told him what happened and um and I said, I got I gotta go home. And um I gotta call Mrs. Hatcher because that was Willie's mom. And uh, I called their house and I called their house because I was like, I was like, maybe he's wrong. Like Willie was working today. He, sh he, sh he shouldn't have been with Jeremy. I mean, I should have been with Jeremy. And, um, and so I couldn't get a hold of Miss Hatcher. I couldn't get a hold of Mr. Hatcher. I couldn't get a hold of their, their, their house. And I said, I was like, maybe Willie's at work. Maybe Willie's at work. <clears throat> and so then I called Andre's mom. I called Andre and told him what was Andre was at school. He was in South Carolina, North Carolina at school. I said, look, this is what Bo just told me. I don't, I, I, I believe him, but I don't want to believe it. I don't know it's true. There's no confirmation. He didn't tell me that Willie was with him. He says he thinks he was with him. Um, and uh, so I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to figure it out. And I said, I'm going to call your mom because her mom lived down the street from them. So I called Mrs. Eshu, his mom. She went over there. No one was there. And I'm like, God, man. And so I, my boss took me back to my car. And um, I sat there for a while. <coughs> and I just tried to call. I was trying to call Mrs. Esh, Mrs. Hatcher, Mrs. Hatcher. And about three hours later, I called again. Their house and Mr. Hatcher. So Mr. Hatcher, Willie's dad, was a... He was a hard man, like drill sergeant, <clears throat> like a great guy, mm -hmm. great American. I mean, but just, you know, old school army guy, you know, like 
we talked to him and gave him a hard time, but then like, you know, he was very business too. And um, I'll never forget, like, like just thinking about it haunts my dream. Like I, I they haunted my dreams because when I picked, when I called him, he picked the phone up and I was Mr. I was like, hey, Mr. Hatcher. Cause I was like hoping that like, he'd know that Willie was with him <laughs> or that work or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, I said, hey, Mr. Hatcher, I was like, um, I said, what's up? And he goes, nothing, he sounded normal. And I was like, okay, maybe everything's good. Cause they, you know, like he would be upset right now. And, um, and I said, Mr. Hatcher, I said, uh, I said, you know where Willie is? And he goes, oh, Lil Willie, Lil Willie went up to, uh, to Ohio with Jeremy. And I said, oh my God. And so, um, and I said, I knew right then, like, you know, I was like, it was true. And I said, Mr. Hatcher, I said, um, I hate to tell you this, but your son, man, he's not coming home. I said, Willie, Willie died in a car wreck last night. And man, just knowing how strong that guy was, like Army guy, and hearing him scream like that over the phone, I, I mean, just, God, man, I'll never forget that. Like, I still have nightmares sometimes, and I, like, in my dream, like, something scary will happen, and I'll hear his scream in that moment, and I can still hear it. Like, it's like something I'll never be able to shake, and just a strong, like, like, strong, strong man, you know, just crushed like a little baby and um i heard the phone drop i could hear the phone like hit the ground and um i heard him yelling and yelling and yelling and screaming and then um i heard mrs hatcher in the background and i'm you know i i'm on the I, i'm guessing phones on the ground point <laughs> and i heard mrs hatcher he tell telling her and just hearing her voice it was terrible um, I hung up. I just couldn't hear it. I couldn't listen to it anymore. I hung up and, you know, <clears throat> I called back and they called me back and everything. And we talked later, like two days later. And it, it, it just broke me because, um, in that moment, you know, I, I felt, I felt like I was, um, like lost. I felt like I was alone and, and it just, it just hurt it, it without Megan in my life. Like the Lord did certain things. Like I went from playing ball thinking I was going to do that. And then that got taken away. And I know why I got taken away because I put that in front of the Lord. And then I met Megan and Megan helped that out without Megan in my life. Like that whole year and stuff would have, like I would have, I would have dropped into some depression, anxiety, and maybe done a lot of things that I didn't want to do. And you um, said you were twenty at that time. 20 yeah, old. yeah, twenty. <laughs> and um, it, um, but one thing that that like I tell people all the time, I don't want to say that there was a reason why they they passed away. That's up to God. That's up to you know He created us. It's up to His will. I don't. We don't understand His will all the time. Um, but that day, I, I told myself that day, I will never, I will never be the same way. I'll never be the same person because I don't want to live in regret. That's the devil will use that and just eat at us and feed on it. 
And so I told myself from that day on, I will always put people in front of myself. I'll never choose myself in front of someone else because I didn't do that for them. And I felt like I didn't give them enough. And that was hard as that was as hard for me to deal with as their death because they weren't there anymore and I couldn't I couldn't do that. And I would have never felt that though if they if, if they wouldn't have passed away, I don't I would have never had that transformation. And I, and I, I I hate even saying that, but if there's gonna be a positive in something, I said I'm gonna use them for good. So my life changed at that moment. I became the guy that, you know pick people up in the middle of the night uh, that, you know, maybe drank a little bit too much of the bars. And, and I became that guy that wanted to help as, as much as I could. I wanted to do everything I could. I got, I got in the word, the, the Lord, he transformed my life. Um, because I wasn't, I wasn't living outside of his will, outside of uh, like good, but I wasn't living through him. You know, he wasn't, you could, people knew I was, different or a Christian, but they didn't necessarily see that, you know, it's like, um, it's like scripture that talks about, you may know them by their fruits. You know, I, I don't think they, people would know me by my fruits before they passed until they talked to me and people should know, <laughs> they should know where we stand and how we feel before they even speak to us because they should hear from other people. They should see how we act. They should see what we do. They should see our 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 persona and how we we carry ourselves. And from that moment on, I changed. And um, and the Lord blessed me a lot. He blessed me with a great job after that. And then I had to learn again. I lost that job in the recession, and I broke into you know these 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 pits of of uh, I wouldn't say depression, but uh, on the borderline depression because. I lost my job. And then I'm like, how am I going to take care of my family? You know, I, I remember, I remember them laying me off and I had a wedding that I was in that night with my other good friends. And this is like, I was 20, I was 28. And I remember I was at in Duluth and I was driving home and I, I literally broke into tears. I pulled into the men's warehouse in the parking lot and just sat there and, and bawled my eyes out because I didn't know what I was going to do because my wife was pregnant. We, I, 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 now I don't have, I'm the, the breadwinner. Like I don't have a job and I, I just lost again. And I just, <clears throat> I, I played it off. I went to the wedding. And the next day I sat there and I prayed to God. I put my hands up. I said, God, here I am. I said, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm nothing without you. And the Lord, the Lord, people look for, when people look for the Lord, they look for this, this vision or this appearance or this dream or something. And sometimes we look too hard. Every time I've seen God in my life, it's not what I saw, it's how I saw it or what happened. Because there's been times in my life, like Megan getting saved, like when I met Megan, she wasn't saved, which is crazy because 
I prayed to God because I, I I wanted to be with Megan, but I felt like I wanted her. I wanted to know that she was sufficient and, and fulfilled and in the same thing, the belief that I had, I had, I wanted to make sure of that. And I didn't pressure her. I wanted it to be her decision, but I prayed to God. She didn't know about this. I prayed to God two weeks. <clears throat> I said, Lord, I don't know if ultimately it was right for you, but I, I said, I'm going to give it two weeks. And if for something, there's not a life changing event in her life that has to do with you, I'm going to break up with her. Which is hard because it's the only it's the only girl that I actually knew I loved. And that first week went by and nothing happened, and I was freaking out. Like I mean, freaking out because I was like, "Can I do this? Like I don't know if I can break up with her. I, I don't know if I can physically do that." But then I was like, "But I promised God. Oh my goodness, you know." And so, um, but man, we were sitting in <laughs> the Wednesday. That Wednesday, her friend invited her to church. They're having something at Yellow River. Uh, Baptist Church, and and it was just like shoot-a-thon pizza night for the teens. And her friend invited her. Well, her friend called and said, I'm not going. The friend that invited her went to church there. The other friend that she was going to go with said, I'm not, I'm not going. I can't go anymore. And then she said, she's, she's like, I can't go. And I said, I'll go with you, you know. So she goes, okay, well, I'll go if you go. We went down there. I met this kid that I went to school with. He was in ninth grade when I was a senior, and me and him, he kind of looked up to me in high school and he was there to sh shoot the basket and try to win this prize or whatever. Well, at the end of the night, after the end of preaching, his name's Brandon. Brandon looks over at me and goes, Hey man, I'm feeling really burdened right now. Like I feel this pit. I, I want to know more about God, you know, but I'm too scared to go up there because it's a, an altar call basically. And I said, man, I'll go with you. And he goes, will you? And I was like, yeah. And I said, uh, we go up there and I tell the guy, like, look, isn't this Brandon? And he wants to know more. He goes, oh, come back in the back, we don't, you know, so you don't, you feel comfortable. We go back in the back and we walk through his doors. And the whole time, you're like, Brandon's sitting to my right and Megan's sitting to my left with her friend. No, Megan's sitting to the right with her friend. Brandon's sitting to the left because we walked to the left. And so I'm sitting here talking to Brandon. We walk into this door and I'll never forget, we go to the right. We sit down in these chairs and I sit down, I turn around, I sit down, I look over that guy's shoulder and Megan is asking God into her heart. And this is two days before the ultimatum, you know, <laughs> like the, the, the decision. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap. That moment I saw God. <clears throat> the same thing happened when I, um, when I lost my job, I put my hands up and said, God, I don't know how I'm going to make this or do this. You know, people were telling me to get back into school, you know, and I said, you know what? I want to become a fireman, you know, like uh, I want to do something for other people. You know, I want to do something that um, I feel like I'm doing your your thing. I didn't necessarily say fireman. I said public service. <laughs> My dad's the one that kind of was like, why don't you look into firefighting? You know, you know, you've been telling people to get fired. I told my buddy, one of my best friends, uh, Phil, Phil Carlisle, who works for Cherokee, um, you know, I told him, I gave him that advice eight years earlier. And the whole time now I look back on it, I was subconsciously telling him what I wanted to do, you know, like I wasn't, I was giving him advice that I wanted to give myself, but I didn't know if I want to take that step. And he took it. And it, I mean, he's like this amazing fireman, you know, I mean, and like, I'm like, gosh, that could have been me. We could have firemen together, you know? And so it's like, oh, which we were for 
eight years. Um, but I told God, I said, just, I raised my hands up and I applied for my first firefighting job. I got declined. Back then it was hard to get into the fire service. Now it's not. Um, and so I had to get money somehow. And I'm, I loaded up, I'll never forget this. I loaded up a pressure washer that my buddy Philip Carlisle gave me. And I loaded up my Toro tractor, like residential lawnmower. And I started driving around and asking people to cut their yard. Like, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of to do. Because before I got into logistics and all that stuff with the warehouse, I did that for a year with a buddy of mine. So I knew how to do it. And for that, for, for two and a half months, I tried to get a job for actually three months. I tried to get a job. I got turned down six times from fire services. Gwinnett being one that Clint is involved with right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, but, you know, like, I did too. well, they actually called me back, but I was already in rookie school at that point. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but for two, for three months, my dad, you know, he's retired. He should be relaxing. He worked his butt off with me to where we couldn't even keep up. Like the Lord, somehow we went from a, a residential tractor lawnmower that barely ran to being able to buy a, a zero turn, having uh, still equipment. And I mean, every day grinding to where I was able to make my payments. I was able to take care of my, my wife, my I was able to do everything I could with the job I had while I was looking for firefighting. I, it, that's God. You know, like, for me to say that I did that, it's absolutely ignorance. And I saw God again. And he's always been there for us, and he always is. I tell people who, who feel depressed or feel down about things, I tell them, I'm like, pray. Talk to people, read scripture, because when you, you will find that you will never be alone if you just pray. Like God's in you. If you've accepted him, he's in you. And if you just pray, he'll be with, he'll be there for you. And I always felt that fulfillment. And I really needed it fast forward up to this past year or two. <laughs> and then I'll be done. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> but God's prepared us for certain things. And sometimes we can't take it. And there's a situation that happened a year and a half ago. And this is why I'm in Newton is because I got a call. My wife wanted to get pregnant again after five years. She decided she wanted to be pregnant again. So we got pregnant and she called me one day and told me I was at the station. And she told me that she's bawling her eyes out. She told me that her, she was just told that our, our daughter had a disease called trisomy 13. And they didn't know she would make it. And eventually she didn't. And I had to watch my wife give birth to my, our, our little daughter. Um, and I held her. I mean, she looked like a little human, um, but she was too far. My wife was too far uh, ahead in the process where they, they, you know, she had to give birth. And I had to watch my wife go through that and know that she was giving birth to a child that we weren't going to have. And my wife is strong and she's 
she's like, I want to do it again. I, I want to try again. I, I want, I feel like I need, we, I want a baby. And I said, okay. So we tried again. And um, all that, she called me and I couldn't get to her. It took me, it took me three, almost three hours to get to her when she called me that day. And I'll never forget the way she sounded on the phone. And actually, <laughs> Katie, um, our children's uh, leader here, was at the house when I when I got there because she was sitting with my wife. Um, and we got through that. It was hard, but we got through that. And I actually decided to take a job at Newton, which I didn't want to leave Cherokee because I love Cherokee. But it was best for my family. So I came and I got a job at Newton. My first week in Newton, we my wife had been pregnant. My first week at Newton, um, we go to an ultrasound and everything's perfect. Everything with the last baby, uh, everything seemed to be fine. And then everything was perfect with this one. There's no problems. We had blood work, showed nothing. Everything was great. So we were really excited. And we went to this ultrasound, just a regular ultrasound, and they couldn't they couldn't find the heartbeat. There was nothing there. And we were like, what? And um I was sitting, I was sitting in that room, man, and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. We were supposed to be going on vacation that weekend. We were about to celebrate. We were just doing this before we went on vacation. And now we had to cancel cancel that and go straight to the emergency or not to the the delivery room so she could give birth to our second child that's not going to make it and i was really hurt and i and i told her i just didn't want to i didn't i couldn't to watch her go through that was almost as bad as losing a child like it was ridiculous and then again we sit there all night holding our lifeless baby just wishing we could have taken care of her and then um about two weeks later I could tell she was something on her mind she came up to me she goes I want to try again and I was like I don't want to watch you do that again I don't want I'm not going to sit through this they can't tell us anything's wrong because they weren't there's nothing wrong like no blood problems nothing's you're in great shape oh perfect but but they can't help us and I'm like I'm not doing that again babe and then I'm like, man, I went to work that next day. And man, I get God, man. He broke me. Like, said, who are you? You know, like, who are you to tell your wife that just went through this? You can't have another baby. I don't want one. And I was just like, man, but God, I don't want, you already have two of my children, which I know they're not mine, but I want to take care of them, you know, and I know I'm selfish in that manner, but man, but I told my wife, I was like, let's try again. And um, uh, I'm sorry, quick story. We were trying to figure out what church, this is how we got to great, uh, to uh, um, want to grow, uh, church of Grove. So I, I um, and I'll end with this story um, because this is God too. I have to say this, this is where I, that's one of the, the strongest points I saw God in my life. And now these people even know this. So right after that, we do we we eventually had our third child. Thank I mean I'm our fourth child, <laughs> thankfully, and 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 she's doing great and healthy now. 
But all these things lead up, these, these hardships in life lead up to the fact that God makes you stronger. There's not a reason we can explain a lot of time. And it, and we don't have a reason. I, I, I When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, you know, you know, and I'm going to be respectful about it. But I want, yeah, I'd like to know. But God can take better care of my kids than I could. There, it, uh, the before I go to this, this little story too. Toby Mac has a song. It says about his son who who died, and at the end of that song, it said, "Thank you, God, thank you for my twenty year loan." And I'm like, "Wow!" Like every time I hear that, I'm like. <laughs> They're not even mine, you know, like it kills me. And so here's how I got to the church of the Grove. Meg and I, we had recently left, you know, just left the church. I felt like I need, I wanted to be a, a, a bigger part of a, of a smaller church. So we were looking for another church and then we went to Grace Monroe and loved it, loved it. the people. They were awesome. And we started going there. We came to Church of the Grove because we knew Katie. And we were visiting Church of the Grove and Grace were both at the top of our list. What was great is every church we visit were good churches. And so we're, I really thought Grace was where we were supposed to go. <clears throat> I love the atmosphere. And we get there, it, we go there, and um, we haven't, well, we haven't been, we hadn't visited back there because we lost the child. And we go back to Grace or visit. This is a week after. We lost a child, and the this, I can't remember her name, but this girl's the it, there. She was amazing. She remembered our name. We hadn't been there in three weeks, and she knew who we were. She looks at people every week. She remembered her name. She goes, "Oh, you're Megan," and uh, this is after church. We're walking out. She goes, "She goes, oh, you're Megan, and you're Scotty," and we we're like, "Yeah," and she goes, and I felt bad for her. She said. Uh, she said, oh, and, and how's the baby doing? And Megan started crying, man. And I was just like, oh, man, dang it. And she goes, oh, my gosh, what happened? And she goes, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And I was like, we, we, lost, we lost her about five days ago. And she goes, I'm so sorry. So she takes us over to the other side of the sanctuary, away from everybody, walking out, seeing us like, and I hadn't done anything at that point. She goes and gets another guy who helps um, minister. And this guy, God, this is where, you know, God always had to find a way to like grab me, you know, pull me back, remind me, hey, I'm in control. I got this, you know. And, uh, you know, I hadn't really, I was still bitter. You know, I was telling her, I don't want you to do this again. You know, I don't. And um, this is during that time period. <laughs> she's crying and all of a sudden this guy comes over and he hugs me he hugs me and i'm like what's this guy hugging me for you know my wife needs needs a hug you know he hugs me and i'll never forget this i don't know this guy I never met him in my life never seen him and he hugs me and he goes he goes i don't know what it was man but god told me i needed to hug you he goes i i i just feel like god is telling me that you need that you need a, a hug and that you need to be told that to let it go and stop trying to take this burden by yourself. He said, stop trying to take it all on by yourself because you can't. 
he's right. Uh, that's exactly what was going on. Like I couldn't, I wanted to be that guy that took care of my kids. I wanted to be that guy that took care of my wife. I wanted to be the one that could take everything. You know, I go to the gym and lift and all this kind of stuff. And I want to be that guy, you know, but man, when he said that, I was like, holy crap, there's God. He's telling me through someone else, you can't let it go. Be with your wife. And that's uh, after that's the next day. And that was the same day. The next day is when I went to work and he, and I just lost it. And so then that week we're thinking grace, I guess grace is where God wants us. Thursday, I got a call from a number I didn't know, and it, they left a message, and it was Russ from the Grove, our preacher. And I'm like, what is he calling me? I ain't seen him in a month. <laughs> you know, like, it, you know, I felt bad because I was like, well, I think we chose Grace, Russ. Sorry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and so I'm thinking he's calling to check in, you know, <clears throat> just to see if we had decided on a church home kind of thing, you know. <laughs> And man, I, I call him. I, I call him back. And say, hey, Russ. And he goes, he goes, hey, man. He goes, he goes, if you know our preacher, you know he's always he's always in a good mood. Um, he goes, hey, man. He's like, I was just calling. Uh, I've, I've met Russ one time before this, by the way. Like, I don't know him, <laughs> you know. He goes, hey, man. I just wanted to call. Uh, I, you know, I remember you coming to church. And he says, and look, I hadn't seen you in about you know a month or so. He goes. I just wanted to say, um, if you uh, if you found another church, you know that's fine. I want you to be where the Lord wants you, and I'm happy for you. I just think for some reason I woke up this morning, I was doing my devotions, and I and you popped in my mind, and I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, uh, he goes, I was doing my devotions. I, I said, you know what? I ain't seen him. I'm gonna call him and see, you know, how he's doing. He goes, but if, if you found another church or you, you're you're doing well, then 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 I just want to say good you know good luck, and I'm always here, I'm here for you, um, and I want you to be where God wants you. Now, first of all, you know, that's that's bold of a preacher to say. <laughs> but then I said, I, I guess that, and I told him, I said, I guess Katie told you what happened. That's why the main reason you're calling. And he goes, I have no clue what you're talking about. And I said, I was like, what do you mean? I said, I said you don't. I was like, you don't know what just happened this past week and a half ago? He goes, no. He goes, I was literally doing my devotions and you popped in my head. And he said, I just wanted to call to make sure you're doing okay. And I was like, what? I was like, so you don't know that my wife and I just lost a child. And he goes, oh my God. He said, I'm so sorry. He's like, words cannot explain how bad I feel right now. And he said, I want you to know that I'm here for you. I love you and I'll pray for you. If you need anything, just let me know. And I said, Russ, you don't have to apologize to me because I'm pretty sure God's telling me right now where he's leading my family. And he goes, well, I'm here if you need anything. I said, let's do lunch. <laughs> and so we had lunch and we came back here one more time and the rest is history. And so, but yeah, I'm sorry about all that blabbering, but you're good, bro. <laughs> I mean, my, my, apologize. I know. my biggest thing, my biggest thing is just to tell people that God is sufficient. We aren't. Mm -hmm. And without him, we are nothing.
that's why our world is so broken. And it, all those things, those little things that I went through, it's almost harder when you are brought up in the faith from a young child, it almost becomes a norm to you. Mm. And unfortunately, it became a norm to me until I was 20. And when I hit, hit that heartache, and when I hit that brokenness, and when something bad happened, I learned real quick that I wasn't living the way I should, and I had to change that. And from there on, every time I've hit a roadblock or a speed bump, God has fulfilled my brokenness and my hurt, and he's fixed me. And there's no way I can explain it except for it's God. Like, he's helped me, and that's the only way I could have gotten through it. So... That's awesome. Kind of goes back to the what I thought was cool about the little definitions that I'd read, like the existence, like the proof yeah. of the existence. That's proof to you. You know, it may not have been something that somebody else saw, but that is <laughs> is fact to you. You know it. Yeah. And it reminds me a lot of you know the story that I'm going to tell as well. You know, different stuff in my life is I know for a fact there's times where God has been present in my life, and I no one can tell me different because I yeah. know it. That is proof. Absolutely. That's cool. My life verse now is is. First Peter five seven, casting all your cares upon him for because he cared for you. And just every time I hit something like this, I just think about that and I pray. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, that I it's it's evidence too that this is something that I've I guess just thought about a lot recently. Um I mean over the last I would say five years or so. I think there's a common misconception about faith and our relationship with Jesus and, you know, what that means. First of all, just to have, like you mentioned earlier, having that personal, having an actual personal relationship and, you know, spending time in his word and all that. But I feel like there's this misconception that once you do all that, or once you say, you know, you're saved um, or, you know, pray the sinner's prayer that, Everything, okay. everything in life is just going to be hunky dory, it's, it's and easy. you're going to receive all these blessings, and nothing else is ever going to go wrong. Um, and I firmly believe that that's probably the exact opposite of what Jesus promises us in His yeah. <laughs> uh, road and in you know this this thing we call life. Like it's it's hard, it's difficult. Like we're gonna. We're going to experience some traumatic things, especially in our line of work. Like you know, yeah. Um, but you know, it's was we live in a world of sin. Yeah, and like it, it's sin. If we're guaranteed to go through, he the the devil. It says the devil. Scripture says the, the devil seeks us out like yeah. a roaring lion looking for his prey yeah. to devour. Yeah, you know, like he's not going after people who don't believe in God. He has them. Right. He's going after us. Right. And even the people that believe in God, I think we, I, I'm guilty of this. I, you know, sometimes I listen to the wrong voice. You know, he's, he's they call him a great deceiver for a reason. Yeah. You know, so he, he's not going to quit hunting you just because he, you're in, you know, you're in the right place. He might wait till you're in the wrong place and he's going to use that against you. Mm-hmm. Even if you do know God, you know, and that's kind of, that, you know, I'll talk more about that with mine. That's, I feel like that's kind of where I was. But, you know, especially the people that don't know God. I don't know how in the world you make it through, especially in our line of work, you know. I don't know how in the yeah, world people make it through. I think about that all the time. Some of the stuff that we do and see. Yeah, so Matthew 11, 
28 through 30 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, I mean, just right there, um, you know, Jesus is saying um, he's going to help us, um, but there's still going to be hard times, and there's still work that has to take place. It's just when we do the work with him, it's a little easier. <laughs> and he'll allow it to be easier. He'll, right. he'll give you that comfort that you need to get through it. Yeah. So take heart and put your faith in Jesus. And um, if you haven't made that decision to follow him, um, you know, we encourage you to do so. Uh, Scotty mentioned it earlier. You know, it's not just a prayer that you pray. Um, the, the prayer I, I would say is kind of like a, just a guideline, <laughs> um, and that first step of that commitment, but, um, there's much more to it to that. And, you know, Jesus, um, throughout scripture, just, you know, his, his message of the gospel or his message of salvation is, you know, repent of your sins and have faith in him and who he says he is. Yeah. Um, there's no, <clears throat> absolutely, there's no magic words or prayer that gets the job done. Just repent and, and have faith. Um, but y'all have anything else to to add to, to close this out? Man, I just I think it's you know hearing about some sad stuff is sad, but it's also awesome to hear how God works in our lives to put people there to help us through those times or whatever the case may be. It's cool hearing. You know, being able to look back and see in the plan and how it's come together, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I do that with my own life. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, wow, I, I couldn't plan this any better if I tried it myself, you know, and, and, and I have tried it myself, you know. It's just, it's cool hearing other people's stories that are different, but also similar, similar kind of message, you know. Well, and one, one thing about it, you're going to go through life, there's going to be times in your life and struggles in your life, but um, I once heard that you you can't be a mentor and a mentor until you're tormented. And so you have to go through struggles to get to that point where you can be that light that the Lord needs you to be. Because getting through that, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. We're all going to have struggles. We're all going to have tribulations. And some people might be strong enough to get through half of them. At some point, you're going to break down. You can't do it. And some most people aren't. Most people are going to crumble the first time. And the one thing I've seen in my life and I've seen in the life of everyone else that I've been around is when you have that faith, you hold on to it, you're able to get through it. Good stuff. Thanks everybody uh, for for listening in, and um, we hope you we hope you share this share this podcast with your friends, um, share it with your family, you know, share it with with your coworkers. We're not, you know, this is just a kind of a, a free a free podcast type deal for us too. We're, we're not making any money off of this, but but we do ask that you just you know share and spread the word and and spread the love uh, yeah. to your friends and family and your coworkers. Whether it's whether it's through sharing this channel or whether it's just 
you know, being bold and sharing your testimony with them. We're, we're, we're in this, uh, we're doing this and we're in this for God's glory and nothing else. So if y'all have any questions or, um, if y'all have any maybe ideas for, uh, you know, stuff, maybe topics or whatever y'all would like us to talk about, or like I said, if you have questions about anything, uh, for any one of us, you can, uh, you can hit us up at, uh, it's respond community at gmail.com respond community, all one word at gmail.com. Um, that's our email and we can, we can try our best to answer any tough questions or, uh, like I said, if there's any topics or something y'all want us to discuss, we'll take those into consideration. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Peace.